Good day and welcome to the A Travel Companion podcast. Special guest today, John Telver in the studio in Chiswick. John is director with Explore, a tour operator in the UK. Um, as you know, we uh, talk about responsible travel, uh, volunteering. Uh, we touch on organizations and people that are doing the right thing. Um, we will talk with John uh, about carbon offsetting. And we do this because Explore uh, is the first UK tour operator to offset all of its components of its trips. So there's a lot to talk about. I am very grateful to have him here in the studio in Chiswick on the podcast. If you would like to support the podcast, please go to our website. That is podcasts.earth. And without further ado, here's the podcast with John from Explore. We are here with John. John, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Good Love stuff. Pizza. Good stuff. And John is from Explore Adventure Travel Company. Do mm -hmm. I say that correct? Or? That's right. Explore Worldwide. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things here. And one of the things we talk about is um, offsetting carbon emissions. Now, there has been uh, quite a lot of this in the news. Uh, growing number of operators are offsetting uh, holidays. They, uh, especially younger travelers, they're keener to book. They say, I don't have you that experience that yourself? That, uh, don't know. I don't, don't actually, know. it doesn't make any difference to, to us. All, I think I can all age explain groups. that. No, I mean, it wasn't determined by what the people think when deciding who to book with. The starting point for us was what's the right thing to do. What's the right thing to do, yeah. and then afterwards you yeah. find out how uh, um, who, who does what. Yeah. Younger people are more attuned to it. It doesn't surprise me, but mm -hmm. that has. Well, they seem to be influenced by Greta. I take it, and uh, people just generally over the last few years have been more attuned to environmental issues. Yeah, she's accentuated yeah. that. Yes. Definitely, it's definitely mm -hmm. on the world map because of her. Um, I, I would say. But they say that, uh, do you believe in studies, research is another thing? They say 58% of travelers actually believe that sustainability is a very important factor when they make bookings and travel choices. And I believe that's what people believe when they answer these surveys. Yeah, um, yeah. The yeah. question is, does it, does it turn into action? Does it affect decision making? Now, there have been very high percentages over many years of people saying it does affect their decision on what to do, where to go, who to travel with. Mm -hmm. And what I believe 100% now is that more and more people actually are being guided by these things compared to the past. There's no doubt about it. Fair enough. And you've had good feedback already? Yes, very good. Good stuff. Okay. So they say it's not a gimmick. Um, they actually say that, um, that that's very important to really think about these, these choices. Um, in the articles, there's quite a few articles um, about Explore, explore.co.uk, um, TTG Media. We have The Guardian, number of articles, um, Tripolis. Uh, all these say you're doing the right thing. You become the first UK tour operator to carbon offset all parts of a holiday. So that includes carbon offsetting flights, mm -hmm. accommodation, mm -hmm. domestic transport. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that is, that is uh, quite amazing. Would you um, explain a little bit why you do that and, and how you do that and uh, who you do it with? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a personal thing in a way. Um, we started doing research or listening about people's anxieties and fears, our own personal anxieties and fears, and it stems from the, the need to do the right thing. As a tour operator, we've always thought about our impacts, and obviously the biggest impact you have as a tour operator 
is with CO2 emissions from, from flying. So that's where we started from. What should we do? The easiest thing is to do nothing mm-hmm. and wait for somebody to tell you what to do. Hopefully government will intervene yeah. um, to be led by others. Potentially, there's lots of doubt about the ro- absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we thought we need to come up with something ourselves that we feel happy about. Yes, there may be uncertainty in certain areas, but to try to think through as logically as possible to do something about it. And that was the start of our thought process. In, you mentioned uncertainty. What, what do you mean, uh, the uncertainty? Well, you read in the press different sorts of offsets. Does offsetting work? Mm-hmm. There's a range of opinion on, on this. Mm-hmm. And our starting point was, if we are to offset, what is the best way to do it? Um, we thought, well, what's the best standard to use? And after research, we came across the gold standard, which was set up by the WWF in 2003. Okay. Um, verifiable third-party uh, SDG goals built into them. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted something that stood up to challenge that could be explained to ourselves, to our staff, and also to our customers and potential customers something rock solid from a verification point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's why we wanted to find somebody that could source gold standard carbon credits to offset our ground and our air. Okay, and you found that, obviously? Yes, we did, and that's what led us to working with Climate Care. Climate Care, climatecare.org, I believe. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly how they work. Could you...? Yeah, Climate Care, they... They are an offsetting service. They're not a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a business. And what they do is they sell carbon credits. Okay. Simply put, yep. uh, they are UK's highest ranked B Corps, which was an attraction for me. Okay. Uh, are you familiar what, with B No, I'm not. What, what is B Corps? B Corps, it's, it's, they are verified as being um, very high standards when it comes to ethical business practices. Okay. Um, and for me, it was important to find a partner yeah. that had uh, verification from the outside. So, yeah. A, find carbon offsets, which are of a very high standard. Yeah. Secondly, find a trusted partner. And the fact that they are B Corps accredited means that they are a, um, a trusted partner. So, they're accredited by government or other organizations? Or other organizations. Other organizations. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough. And. Um, you say there are a obviously a for-profit, not a non-profit organization, which I personally think is actually very good. Mm. Uh, because I think if you're for-profit, that means you're not doing something just because it's good, but actually you see something behind that as well that can benefit your organization in financial terms. And that can only drive forward the organization and as well other organizations as well. I think that if companies see that doing the right thing can actually be beneficial um, not only for the world, but also for themselves, that may be very influential for other companies to follow. Mm, exactly. Yeah? Exactly. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I believe that um, you work um, based on a worst case scenario. Is that mm. uh, Well, calculating carbon emissions, um, it, it can be very complicated. Um, people externally might have doubt on how you do it mm-hmm. and whether you're going for a cheap alternative mm-hmm. first of all 
with the type of credits that we buy. You know, they are not the cheapest. They are verified. Secondly, when looking at aviation emissions, you can look at the CO2 emissions and offset those, or you can look at the actual impact of other greenhouse gases, um, and it's a multiplier called the RFI, mm -hmm. uh, roughly 1.9, and we apply that to the carbon emissions to come up with the total amount that we need to offset yep. when looking at our impact yep. on the environment. So that's the aviation side. Mm -hmm. um, the ground side, now, we've got over 500 different itineraries. Right. And to work out exactly for each itinerary, some are three nights long, some are 28 nights long, some are all trained, some are all coached, some have got domestic flights. Where do you start? I mean, that is a job for one person for a year. Mm -hmm. So what we took was a number of building blocks. We calculated what based on each one week of a trip that people, there'd be a, a group size of 12 people in yeah. an 18-seater bus. We calculated the emissions of that bus if it travelled 1,350 kilometers in that week so if it's a one two three four five or six night trip we've taken it up to seven nights right so everything is in one week blocks yeah. so we round up there secondly when we looked at accommodation uh, we looked at different rates of emissions for different countries and we chose a worst case scenario and we apply that to all our trips mm -hmm. worldwide we worked out how many nights on average a driver is accommodated on our trips. Mm -hmm. Same with local guides. We then added a further buffer of approximately 10%. So what I wanted to be sure of was, although we were estimating what the emissions were, mm -hmm. that we're estimating, overestimating, to make sure that what is happening overseas is being offset in fact, it's, it's offset over and above our emissions. At some later stage, we might do a bit more work to find out the exact emissions, because yeah. um, that will bring down the amount that we're actually offsetting. Sure. And I should say, if there are domestic flights, then we've accounted for those separately as, as well. So we've worked out the exact mileage on those. Right. Do you do that yourself, or you do that together with there's, clients? There's a calculator, calculator on for the that. Climate yeah. Care website. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Also, to be absolutely sure with aviation, we calculated the mileage for 13 distinct uh, regional groupings. We assumed that all the flights to that regional area was to the furthest point in that area. Mm -hmm. We also rounded up on that. And for long and medium haul destinations, we assumed that people were flying indirectly. Um, that way, we came up with a worst case scenario of carbon emissions and we offset on that basis even though we'll be emitting less than that figure right fair enough and um yeah uh, this must cost you quite a bit of money to do that um, do you calculate it into the into the packages that you um, sell or how does that work we estimate we will offset something in the region of forty-two thousand tons in the next that's amazing 12 months yeah, that's um so Part of that is built into the cost, and part of it is 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 out of overhead. Mm -hmm. um, Basically, you buy the carbon credits from Climate Care. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, they must have a number of projects in place um, to uh, to really allocate these funds. Do you know where this money goes? 
Yeah, of course, it's one of the first questions that we asked. And uh, there are four broad projects. One is uh, safe water carbon projects to yep. stop people's burning wood to boil water. Mm-hmm. Another one is host- household biogas. The third one is clean cook stoves. Right. And finally, there's a certain amount invested into renewable energy. There's an article here, and it says uh, criticism of offsetting. This mm. says it has been proven a minefield. Um, you can offset now rail, road, air journeys. Yeah, and they say there's a number of projects that are really good to use or mm. not so good to use. Tree planting is mentioned here. It's also mentioned wind and solar power. Um, climate care, do they, do they use uh, tree planting? as? Um, no, no tree planting. No tree planting. At all. Okay. Right. Um, you say you um, invest in, in, in a project in the rainforest, in the Amazon. Um, that, that's right. We, we work with a company called Cool Earth. And cool Earth. Cool Earth. Okay. And we we invest about twenty thousand pounds each year, and that money goes into local communities and education. And the role of Cool Earth is to fund communities so that they then understand the importance of the rainforest and protect the rainforest. It's not carbon offsetting, sure. but it's very important. They do an extremely valuable job in making sure rainforest remains intact. That, that's fantastic. I, I love that. Um, actually, I had an interview uh, with a guy from Guyana. The government is doing a lot also to protect their rainforest. I, I, I really like that um, as well. So there's also saying um, capturing methane gas or methane in my accent. I'm Dutch. It's probably, probably totally wrong. Uh, from uh, waste tips and landfills, um, they say that's hardly attractive. Mm-hmm. Don't know why, but they, they say so. They say uh, energy efficiency works best um, with the proliferate rich. Well, obviously, this is an article that criticizes offsetting, so I'll just, yeah. um, just so you're fully aware of that. They say offsetting can work, uh, allows people who want to travel to do so with a cleaner conscience. Do you agree with that? Uh, my, my view with offsetting is that it's it's not a long-term solution um we know when we travel that there are negative impacts Mm -hmm. we know there's pollution so the choices are to either change the frequency of flying or the duration of where you fly to um or as a short to medium term you offset what's what's left over um and i think it's the unep united nations environmental program I mean, they they acknowledge that there is a place for carbon offsetting, mm-hmm. but have, only yeah. until 2030. Yeah, yeah. So okay. for us, this is not a, yes, you can fly as much as possible. It's not a green light to do that. No, everybody has to consider their own behavior. Mm-hmm. But also, I believe there's a role for, for, for companies to take some responsibility for the emissions that are caused by people traveling with them. What, what is your drive? Why are you doing it yourself? Because you do, you're the first organization in the UK that is doing this like full scale. Yeah. Why are you doing that? What's driving you? It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It is the right thing to do uh, personally. And, and I have re-examined some of the things that I do, and I'm not an absolutist. You know, it's not a stop doing this, it's reducing mm-hmm. doing something. So you reduce potentially the frequency of flights or there's some people that cut back on their meat. It's all incremental improvements. Everything helps, but you're doing it in a, in a way which is like we're doing it full, full scale, which is commendable, but it can be risky as well for yourself, for your organization. Why, why would that be risky? Because it can go the other way as well. People can say, well, 
you know, you don't have to do that. We're not going to fly with you. We're not going right. to take patrols with you. The easiest and cheapest thing to do is, is to do nothing. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's, it's important if you believe in something to do it and not to wait for the government to do something because mm -hmm. we might have to wait some time. Uh, we thought this is a way that, well, if we're encouraging people to travel, yeah. we have a responsibility to make sure that we're mitigating the negative impacts that and we have. That's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then there's an organization, and I think I'm going to have a meeting with them um, later, which is called uh, AEF, the Aviation Environment Federation. Um, they say that offsetting will not get us to net zero. And they say this to the government, of course, but uh, what they say uh, in a net zero future, every country, every sector need to get emissions to zero. Mm -hmm. There will be no room for offsetting. That obviously, they talk about the future there, I take it. No, they do refer to offsetting up until 2030. Up until 2030. 2030. Yeah. Okay. Um, and something I haven't mentioned before is that it's not just about aviation or mm -hmm. reducing the amount of flying. It's it's switching it to other things. Now, one of the things that we want to do in the interim is to offer people more more information so they can make an informed choice about how they, they, they fly. But also for some of the short haul options is to give them more information on how to organize their their trains or boats or however they wish to, to get yeah. to destination. How, how do you give them that information? Is that via that's website? Being, that's being researched at the being moment. Being researched at the moment. Yeah. Ah, okay. So it so, will take like one month, two, four, two, six months? This is the start of a long, long journey. Long journey, um, okay. the, our first, Our first priority was to get the carbon offsetting up and running, mm -hmm. um, having thought it through. And we've just taken on a head of sustainability in our office and her role, her name's Prue Stone, okay. her role is going to be pulling together all t types of, of plans on reducing emissions overseas on the ground. So it's not just about offsetting, that's only mm -hmm. part of a solution. It's looking at alternatives, it's looking how we, we point information at our customers, it's looking at us as a business as well. So we've got a role to reduce our emissions in mm -hmm. our head office, and I'm pleased to say that We've gone to zero to landfill this year, right. and we've become carbon neutral too from an office point of view. Brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that, those are the criticisms, but um, uh, I think it's more important to to do something and companies that actually take it to heart and actually doing it totally is amazing. I think uh, you really could be an inspiration for other organizations as well. Is that is that one of the goals? To be an inspiration? No. No, um, it's not the goal. But it's not a goal. It's, it's a good outcome. If if people if it would happen, yeah, it'd be yeah. fantastic, wouldn't it? If, if people look at the possibilities, and if some companies decide to do some of the things that we're doing, I'd be very very happy mm -hmm. indeed. But for me, one of the ways that you can put people off is pretending to be perfect, pretending mm -hmm. to be absolute, by being absolutely certain in what you're doing is right. Now, for us, we believe that. Offsetting is not the long-term solution. We don't. And there are some people that can argue that actually people should just stop flying. That's too mm -hmm. extreme. I believe that it's a decent solution right now. Um, but also you have to tackle how you operate to reduce emissions overseas. And it's only part and parcel of the overall measures. And 
I think it's important that everybody is very open-minded and that the industry doesn't become polarised and at the risk of repeating myself, mm -hmm. the worst thing is for people to wait for the government to make some kind of formal action. Fair enough. Government, when do you think they will make a change? What do you think? I don't know. You don't know? I don't. What is your, you, must, you must have an idea of when they will do something. They must do something with all the pressure that's put on them. Or... I hope so. I'd yeah. like to see an imposition of a carbon tax quickly. Carbon tax, yeah. A carbon tax yeah. um, in whatever form, increase APD. How would that affect travel? Um, it will reduce travel, I believe. Reduce? Yeah. yeah. Not good for your business then, is it? Well, it depends how people travel. You look at the percentages of people, of the flying public that go on short breaks to, to Europe. Mm -hmm. um, I think the important thing is meaningful travel. For me, if people have two one-week trips with us, mm -hmm. two return flights, you know, if that if they change to one two-week trip with a return flight, that's automatically half the aviation emissions and they're still traveling with us. Fair enough, fair enough. How, how many weeks do people have holiday here in the UK? In the UK, normally about five weeks. Five weeks total. And yeah. that was his uh, Christmas there, this Easter. So they have plus like bank two, holidays. Plus bank holidays. Yeah. So it'll be like two weeks where they actually can travel two weeks, 14 days in a row. Well, no, because people can take time off any time. So yeah, obviously when it's during Christmas periods and during Easter, because those two periods already have... So that those are calculated in those five weeks or no, not? Not, no. not really? No? No, no. Oh, I mean, okay. It, it's, it's quite normal to have 20 to 25 working days. Okay. I did, not, um, I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the scope for people to take longer trips overseas, yeah. um, it, it's there. I mean, mm -hmm. other professions are, are, are limited, but for most people, you know, just reduce the number of of. of, of Short haul flights for long weekends. Mm -hmm. It's more the cost more money, though. Hey? If, if you want to take yeah. a train to Amsterdam, it's yeah. like four hundred pounds if you don't book like six months in advance. Where a flight can be like well, maximum one twenty or something like that. And also explore using trains. You, know, mm -hmm. you can get from London to Marseille. I think it takes about seven hours on the direct service. Sure. I've gone to Barcelona the same day. I've gone to Milan the same day. By train. By train. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in fact, in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to the outskirts of the Sahara Desert using train, ferry, and train. It takes three days. But three days a, to get there. Yeah, but it's a hell of a journey. Yeah, that, that sounds very good. I've, I've done that myself as well, by the way. But they do say that um, issue is a price because Brussels, Vienna is opening night trains now. Uh, you might have heard of that. Um, they... Uh, they say that obviously it's fantastic to travel by train. It's very relaxing. You can just have a, you know, sit in your chair. You can walk around. It, just, it is quite amazing. But um, they say issue is a price. Uh, remember EasyJet's opening slogan, making flying as affordable as a pair of jeans. Uh, most of the time you fly somewhere, you pay, if you book a little bit uh, in advance, a month or two months, uh, it's like between 20 to 200 pounds or something like that. Whereas if you take a train, it's, it is it is um, a lot more. It says here that the night service from Brussels costs um, 60 euros um, to 110 euros. And that is obviously if you book well in advance as well. But if you do that um, uh, on now for the next weekend, you'll be looking at a significantly higher amount. Do you see a solution for that? Tax. Tax. Yeah, tax. Simple. Yeah, tax, 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 tax aviation more or tax, tax aviation uh, more, tax public transport yeah. less, and potentially subsidies for for public transport. Yeah. But you know, aviation isn't taxed effectively. Um, it, this imbalance 
cannot continue if the mm -hmm. government has a belief in zero net carbon by 2050 yeah. we have to move away from the level of aviation that we have at the moment why are not doing that why, why aren't they not doing that well i think the last two odd years the, the government's been preoccupied with with brexit and um <laughs> we get to that <laughs> um, let's not get into politics and uh, I, I think i think the defining moment will be the cop meeting in november all right so then we have ba british airways they are going to offset their flight emissions they uh, say 2050 that's quite a long way, isn't it? It's a long way. I mean, they are offsetting not right now, but it's just for their domestic flights. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that so? No I, international flights whatsoever? I'm not sure about the international okay. flights, so that might be worth just doing a, a bit of research yep. on. But I don't know how much you know about the Corsair offsetting scheme. No. This is uh, an offsetting scheme for, for, for airlines, but what it is doing is it just just offsetting above a certain amount. It's not mm -hmm. bringing the emissions down to zero. Secondly, mm -hmm. it's not using the RFI multiplier that uh, I talked about earlier. Gotcha. It's just using one for one rather than one for 1.9. Okay. So that is not a solution for reaching uh, net zero in any which way. Okay, uh, fair fair enough. They say that, um, well, Mr. Walsh, who is the, uh, I take it he is the CEO, uh, really mm -hmm. Walsh, well, flying may become totally uh, unacceptable uh, socially. Uh, he says it, it, it has no credible alternative at the moment. Um, in the old times, 1979, uh, flying was a privilege. And he is committing to net zero carbon flying, but the date is 2050. And he, the reasons he gives, it, they're not unreasonable as far as I'm concerned. And they're, they're quite uh, realistic. I'm not sure how, what, what, how do you feel about that? Ooh, I mean, I, I, I can't look ahead to 2050 from yeah. a, a British Airways perspective. Yeah. Um, but actually, in, in the news today, that um, I think it was a company associated with EasyJet uh, called Right One, where they expect to have the first uh, commercial plane, electric plane, up and running by 2030. Mm -hmm. It's 150, 156 passenger. Plane. Same as Norway, Norwegian Air, they're doing it as well. I believe the internal flights are going to be electric. Uh, I think they mentioned something like this year, but that could be wrong. That's for, that's for testing, but, but for just not, for testing, yeah, right? right. Okay, It'll yeah. Take okay. that time. Yeah. It'll take ten years for it to be up and running. Uh, but remember, with the twenty thirty, people are not saying people have to stop flying or stop emitting mm -hmm. carbon by twenty thirty. Mm -hmm. It has to be reduced by. And this is where the key thing comes into play, and yeah. that is people choosing carefully how they travel and the frequency of their travel. Yeah. And yes, there can be benefits from biofuels, although I believe that's slightly overplayed. Yeah, it is yes, very much so. There'll be efficiencies yeah. <laughs> in in design and mm -hmm. engines, mm -hmm. uh, fuel consumption, um, but that's not a solution either. Right. We can't look ahead to 2050. Uh, we can look ahead to 2030. Yes, there'll be incremental improvements from efficiency and from the type of fuel that will be used. Uh, but from now until then, if we are to hit the 50% reduction, there will be a need to fly less. Right. And there, obviously, I did an interview as well with Extinction Rebellion, and they said 
2025 mm. is really when it should happen. Mm. This is 25 years after that. I, I think they're moving in a, in a good direction, though, mm. so I'm not saying anything against it, but what is uh, realistic for one side is not necessarily realistic for the other side. No, it's it's a classic case of the polarisation. Mm-hmm. Um, at least British Airways are coming up with with improvements. Mm-hmm. They are thinking about it. It might not be where Extinction, Extinction Rebellion wants them to be. Yeah. And I believe in environmental issues, the same as in politics, there has to be a capturing of the middle ground. Uh, if we're polarised to extremes, that is what will lead us to impasse. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. So we have um, a flick scam. We, let's just talk about that a little bit. Um, obviously, in Scandinavia, uh, makes a difference of 4% already uh, last year, which is significant. It may not seem much, but it's obviously the start maybe only at this point. So maybe it will increase over the next years. What do you think? Well, if you have a 4% reduction on an annual basis over 10 years, mm-hmm. that's quite a substantial increase. Yeah, that's only, that was only that's only last year, know, 4%. So it's going... And I would say that, that that could well accelerate. You might ask, how does that affect us? Is that happening in the UK? Yeah. In, in, in terms of flight shame in this country. Yeah, um, or any country. Any country, yeah. but I'll, I'll talk specifically from the UK because that's my, my kind of uh, expertise. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, there, there are certain uh, a proportion of people that are thinking twice and three times about the amount of flying that they do, mm-hmm. whether they need to fly at all, whether there are alternatives. How big is that group, you think? What kind of percentage are we looking at here? Um, I don't know. You don't know? Do you think it's 10% already? No, I wouldn't say it's high as 10%. No, 5%? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, I, just, I was just wondering how big is that group right now? Because uh, this lady, uh, I think she's looking at uh, 200,000 people to not fly for a year. And, uh, you know, I think they've got a lot of sign-ups already. So I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking, like, is it really growing much in different areas? Because Scandinavia, I mean, Sweden has got Greta, for example. And obviously, she's probably in the newspaper there every day. Mm. Uh, and and the must have an effect, especially on the younger generation, I would say, but also on, on just anyone who has thought about it but hasn't thought about, well, maybe I shouldn't fly or maybe I shouldn't fly as much. The inescapable fact is that more and more people are thinking more and more about their flying mm-hmm. and that proportion of people will increase. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's inescapable that there'll be more people looking at either alternatives to flying or mm-hmm. looking at the frequency and of it, their flying. May, may I ask, has it had an effect on your business? Um, it's very limited at the moment, but it but it, it will definitely have an impact on our business. And what we want to be able to do looking ahead uh, a few months is to offer more choice for people that want to look at alternatives. Mm-hmm. And what choice would that be? Uh, packages with train travel, buses? Yeah. Particularly trains. Trains. Um, I think boats as well, or boats from the UK. Um, no, no, no. I mean, you can go to northern Spain, for example. Um, can you so that by is, boat? Really? Yes. Yeah. How long does it take? I think it's 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 an overnight or thirty six hours. It's not bad. No, no. No, that's not bad at all. That's that's very good. Okay, um, different different uh, topic. Yesterday was the BAFTAs. Totally sustainable. I didn't actually see it myself. I saw parts of it. 
Um, we had uh, obviously the Joker. Um, what, what is his name now? The guy from Gladiator. He was uh, leading the uh, nominations at the sustainable BAFTA ceremony. They're doing a lot. They've been asked to um, to have uh, choices for fashion, which are sustainable. They've been asked to consider uh, their travel options and not take private planes. I take it that means for them, uh, like some people in this country sometimes do. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> well, watching the BAFTAs is, is not what I'd normally do in my relaxation time. <laughs> um, and undoubtedly, there'll be charges of, of hypocrisy uh -huh. leveled at them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, justified just to I, I won't answer whether it's justified <laughs> or not but the, the very fact that they are talking about it and they are doing something yeah yeah um, it's good it's isn't better it? than nothing yeah yes, of course it, it's it very is, good it is I like good it. And, I like it, and, it. and it gets people talking yeah and the more mainstream the more mainstream these things are you know you know going for a meat-free meal for example yeah uh, this meals, this indeed, whole yeah. area is accelerating quickly Let's go back to my, my, my thoughts on polarization, mm -hmm. on either doing things or not doing something, absolute wrong, absolute right. Now, by moderating what you do, if everybody moderates what they do, mm -hmm. there can be a massive incremental um, improvement. So, my so better are, than being radical I in believe, an approach. Better believe, moderate is better than I being radical. moderate is the better approach. If yep. you're radical, okay. um, I think that will alienate the middle ground. Yeah. Fair enough. A lot of people say don't travel at all, except in your own country. Obviously, first to be honest with you, I personally think that traveling opens your mind and makes you see cultures which and experience uh, um, uh, societies, communities which normally you would not, and it really makes a difference in your life. So I would say that is not necessarily good. Also, a rainforest tourist, tourism there is extremely important because that keeps the rainforests alive in the way they are right now. Um, how do you feel about that? Some of my most formative experiences have been from traveling and it's it's sensitized me to political issues, it's mm -hmm. sensitized me to environmental issues. I think it's crucially important that people continue to travel. Um, otherwise, there's the danger of Britain becoming even more self-contained and inward-looking. Mm -hmm. And for people to have sympathy and understanding of, of other cultures, nothing quite beats it. Nothing quite beats mm -hmm. being there and meeting people and, and and talking to people. The best thing, yeah. Mm. I totally, I totally, uh, I totally. You, you travelled quite a bit on yourself. A lot. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, after university, I um, hitchhiked down to Istanbul two or three times, went overland to the Chinese border up through Iran and Pakistan. Chinese border? Yeah. Wow, that's a long way. So that's basically it's, the, the it's Silk, long, Silk long Road, way. isn't it? It was. I was trying to go to India, um, but uh, it was in the 80s and uh, Gandhi was assassinated and they, they closed the Pakistan-Indian border. So uh -huh. I was within two days of my destination. So you had to walk back? No, I just went up into the Karakoram and I went walking for six weeks in northern Pakistan and then uh, came back home. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, besides the BAFTA, we also had the uh, Davos uh, World Economic Forum. Uh, they've been talking about this quite a bit as well. They say that um, globally, one in 10 jobs is dependent on travel. Yeah, so how do you do that? How do you encourage being 
responsible and travel at the same time, uh, socially responsible, at the same time being eco-friendly with tourism. How do you do that? It's by ensuring that when you do travel, it's 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 meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's an easy thing to say. Okay. You might think it's a platitude. Yeah. But if you're traveling, if you're going to countries where you're not staying in a all-inclusive where the money is taken out of the country. And there are some good all-inclusives for the sake of balance. Mm -hmm. But if you're staying in locally owned accommodation, if you're eating and drinking in locally owned restaurants and bars and cafes, you're supporting community. Mm -hmm. Um, And they benefit hugely from from that. So... You don't want to take that away? I certainly don't. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to people understanding other cultures as well. Mm Let's go to the next topic. Uh, we talked uh, a bit earlier uh, about uh, about Brexit. Yeah, and uh, how will that affect my holidays in, in Europe? Let's see, what documents do we need? And if we want to go to France, for you, I'm Dutch. I've got a Dutch passport. For me, it will make no difference whatsoever. But for you, what do you have to do? Well, um, I went to a conference on, on talking about this subject. Yeah. Uh, and effectively... They said, for this year, up until the end of December, yeah. even though we've left the EU, we're going to pretend that we haven't, because effectively But after that, after changes. that, what is going to happen after? Do you need a new, a new passport, visas every time you travel? Do you need to stand in line for a longer time than is necessary? What's going to happen? I don't think there'll be anything that will fundamentally change Stay the same. Patterns. Yeah. There may be slightly longer delays, potentially. Yeah. If there were online visas which i doubt i think they're quite simple a bit like you have for the us so that is one of the few things that i have no worries about okay fair enough actually i went to the us when was that three years ago all of a sudden i needed a visa and i needed to buy it i was at the airport already almost missed my flight because of that because i did not accept american express so i had to start the whole process again on my phone to get uh, got it in the end and i got on the plane just like 15 minutes before but it was scary, I must say. Obviously, here it won't happen in Europe, I take it. But um, still, then another. You're British, so we can talk about Prince William as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. He is using his royal voice to address the uh, threats facing our planet. Um, he's actually got something that's called the Earthshot Prize, uh, which um, is going to basically five prizes each year between 2020, 2030. And this is going to be individuals, teams, uh, collaboration, scientists, activists, economists, uh, leaders, governments, banks, everyone who is really making a substantial development, outstanding contribution uh, to solving our uh, environmental challenges. It's called once again the Earthshot Prize. I uh, was inspired by John F. Kennedy, uh, the moon shot that took off uh, in the 1960s. Yeah, yep. I yep. think that will inspire people to do something. What do you reckon? I, do. I mean, people have different views um, on the royal family. Especially uh, now. But, but irrespective <laughs> irrespective of your views, yeah. no, you can't fault this. You cannot fault I think this. it's great. It I think it's great. very good, yeah. Anything that gets people striving to improve... Mm-hmm. has to be encouraged. And a lot of people do look at the royal family um, for for leadership in certain mm-hmm. areas. And for inspiration, and for, eh? And absolutely for inspiration. So I'm so pleased this has happened. Yeah, 
actually, I think that uh, this scheme from Prince Harry is very good as well. The one that he started in Amsterdam, mm. you know, that, and, and he doesn't say do not travel. Mm. He doesn't say that at all because he knows that it opens your mind and and just you know you become better yourself. But do so in a responsible way. Yeah, yeah, and that that's all that they're saying, and I I, I really like it to be honest with you. Um, how did you get here? Did you get here by by? I took the train. I about twenty-seven miles. <laughs> Not to put away. you on the spot or anything. Two, yeah, well, two trains, and okay. then the last, the last uh, <laughs> mile, I walked. Okay, okay. I took actually uh, a bike, one of these. Uh, what do you call those? Boris bikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I have to walk the last half hour because they only go into a certain certain area. They don't all go all the way to Chiswick. But what they're going to do here is they're going to legalize e-scooters mm-hmm. in, uh, in the UK. It's going to happen. Well, they're going to talk about it uh, next month. They have been banned so far but you see a lot of people on on those e-scooters the electrical scooters you you know them most likely uh they're everywhere but also in the wrong places well you're Mm -hmm. walking on the sidewalk and all of a sudden there's one of those things uh zooming by which is not necessarily a good thing Uh, so it can be controversial but as long as they have good laws i'll buy one as a matter of fact so Uh, i like it you know for me anything that moves people away from private vehicles to something less polluting the better there's always downsides no, you have to just accept some risks sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise society will never change. There are always arguments not to change. There's always arguments mm-hmm. not to do such and such because of, of 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 potential negative outcomes. And I think this is a classic example that overall the benefits vastly outweigh the Benefits. We agree, and so we don't have to talk about that any further now, is it? <laughs> All right. Um, what what else do we have here? There's one more topic I would like to uh, discuss. And actually, I, I sent you a brief, but I didn't put it on there. But um, it is the uh, the virus, uh, coronavirus, mm-hmm. and it's having a major impact on global travel. Um, China tourism industry, largest in the world for international travel has taken a major hit um countries like switzerland they they basically see a 30 to 50 percent reduction uh, in the number of tourists that are going to visit uh, switzerland over the next coming weeks most likely will be months because they will most likely um, say well you can travel at a certain point but still be cautious and mm-hmm. will advise not to travel immediately well, how do you feel about that well now if we go back to 2003 uh, with SARS, there the Foreign Office recommended against travel to China for roughly six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're an outbound tour operator. I, I won't talk about inbound tourism in in Britain from China, which will be severely affected, I believe. Sure. Um, but in terms of outbound, first of all, you've got the Foreign Office saying don't travel. Uh, second thing is, once that relaxes, then there's 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 a memory in potential travellers' mind about what's happened there, yeah. and that will take some months to 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 wear off. And my experience, uh, it'll take several months afterwards for bookings to return to normal on the basis that things return mm. to normal you know, very quickly. Some people say already don't go to Asia at all. Uh, there's a small number of people that are anxious about travelling mm-hmm. to neighbouring countries. Uh, but I think those fears are, are, are very much overblown. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I believe yeah. that they're, they're no, overblown. The... And, and commonly, when people are thinking about where shall we go, um, they just hold off for a year. So perhaps they're thinking about booking a trip to China in September this year. Now they're thinking, well, 
we don't know what, whether we'll be able to travel or not. They'll go to Central America or potentially South Africa, and they'll just book to China next year. So if you look at one-year cycles, yes, there will be a downturn for China, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it over a two- or three-year period, uh, the overall reduction in tourism over that period will be quite limited. Okay. They do say here, though, that um, travel brands have suspended uh, altered service to China. Um, some people take really bizarre uh, methods to protect themselves against the virus. And what they also say here is that British Airways has suspended flights for, for, for one uh, to certain areas in China. And tour companies are snowed under with travelers seeking refunds. Have you had that? Uh, we took a pragmatic approach. Mm -hmm. We quickly cancelled departures up until the end of April. Um, and then we'll be reviewing departures on a rolling basis because people still want to travel. Yep. The people that don't want to travel are able to transfer off the trips that they booked with us. Okay. But most people want to make that trip. So yeah. what we don't want to do is to cancel prematurely. Sure. How do people get in touch with you? Where can they find you? And um, Just go online. Yeah, yes. explore.co.uk. Explore.co.uk. Yeah, indeed. Is there anything else that you would like to say yourself? Is there anything that comes up that's... Is there anything going to happen over the next coming months that you would like to put forward? I think the whole discussion on the environment is going to become more and more interesting. I think a lot more travel companies, be they tour operators or hotel organisations or DMCs or tourist boards, will start to be involved in quite intense debate about what the future holds for tourism mm -hmm. and what i'd hope to see is collaboration sharing of best practice and knowledge because because tourism will have to change sure do you see like a community that that will share information online or do you see that with meetings or how do you see uh, that sharing of information between both i mean there's there's an organization called tourism declares a climate emergency, right. um, which is pulling together like-minded people at the moment. It's just in its, its first stages. Um, they're a, a good organization to keep an eye on. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. My it was pleasure. a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That was the podcast with John Talver. Uh, it was fantastic to have him on the show. I'm very grateful to have him here in the studio in Chiswick. Um, John is from organization Explorer, explorer.co.uk. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, you can find the latest news um, on sustainable travel on the website podcasts.earth and travelcompanion.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in next time to a travel companion this week in sustainable travel.